I did everything right and now I live in the damn dump! Then let's forget what we should have done earlier and continue with what we should do now. Howdy folks, I'm Phil. And I'm Kyle. And we are the Unsociablists, back for season two, baby! What's new in season two? Well, first off, you might hear that my audio doesn't sound like hot dog shit. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you, Kyle. (laughs) No, uh, we are planning to uh, do a lot of fun things in season two. First of all, once a month episode, so we don't get that same burnout we got last time, which means that the episodes we bring you should actually be of a marginally better quality. Yeah, let's hope so, considering that my brain was very fried. Yeah, we needed that year off. Yeah, uh, what else? We are hoping to have more guests. We want to be able to talk about a variety of topics that as uh, straight cis white men, we might not have the most well-equipped viewpoints on. Yeah, I'm just not an expert in most things. So we're hoping to get a lot of guests from various uh, alternate perspectives to help us round out and broaden out our uh, episode views. But generally, uh, we're hoping to just kind of bring you the same kind of good vibes. Oh yeah, no more watch-alongs, no more, uh, it's, we're just going for the theme episodes. Uh, If you want watch-alongs, then maybe if we get enough people listening to us will uh start a patreon yeah that'd be fun maybe do like streams if we'd actually do that but sure yeah that'd be better obviously that'd be the way to do it been thinking about streaming um i was just talking with my brothers about it but thinking about streaming some really stupid bad uh 70s movies just kind of like as jokes was thinking about the man with the golden gun the roger moore bond film that one's fun Oh, the old school Bond films are very, they're fun and they're chock full of some of the worst misogyny you'll ever find. I was thinking exactly of that because it's like there's a point in in Golden Gun where he just slaps the lady that he's like supposed to be honeypotting. Oh, that's hilarious. I mean, in a terrible, terrible way, but it was the 70s. So we can look back and say, oh, thank goodness we don't have jokes like that anymore. <laughs> she sighs nervously. But yeah, today, specifically on this episode, we are here to talk to you about, uh, more vague concept. We know that uh, we're kind of hoping season two could be a jumping on point for a lot of people. And we know that a lot of folks aren't quite on the communism train yet. In fact, a lot of folks aren't even on the capitalism is bad train. So we're hoping to put together an episode that uh, if you're already a communist, you can listen to it and hopefully get some good talking points. And if you're not a communist, maybe we can kind of, you know, talk this out with you and make you think, hmm, even if you don't fully commit to the bit yet, you know, just something to think about. You don't have to pull on to the full ideology, but maybe loosen up a little bit and think a bit more about how it means to just be anti-capitalist a little bit. I mean, we're going to start with some uh, givens for you. Assuming you're listening to this, we are going to guess that you already think trans lives are human lives, black lives matter, uh, women and men should be equal in every regard. You know, all, all the normal stuff that any reasonable, not hateful person would be thinking. And if you don't think those things, we still encourage you to listen along. Maybe uh, maybe you can broaden your worldviews, and if you can't, then you can just hate listen to this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, go ahead and hate listen to us. I won't mind. With that said, I think we're ready to jump into the meat and potatoes of this. I guess we should start with the uh, fundamental ideology of capitalism. What does it mean? You know, for, for long-time listeners, our dedicated crew... Uh, you'll already know all of this, and you'll know this that I've I've mentioned before that generally what you're working with in capitalism is, you know, people will say capitalism's existed forever. And that's sort of true to an extent uh, in, this, in the way that capitalists, the people who m- benefit from this kind of system, have existed for quite some time. But now capitalism has become the dominant mode of production 
that, you know, basically controls our entire world uh, economy because it is such an interconnected economy because of capitalism's expansion. And it's historical. I know this is a, a loaded term or whatever, but it's historical progressive role. And I don't mean that in like the, you know, left lib kind of progressive. Progr- the Bernie Sanders progressive. Right, exactly. No, it's it's about progressing history in a certain direction. And in that way, it did kind of, you can say, create the modern world as an interconnected body. Not to say that pre-capitalist modes didn't also have interconnected economies and, you know, co- communications. But we can safely say that this is one global system that is fairly well connected. Yeah, and even the countries that try not to be capitalist, like Cuba uh, and to a lesser extent, China, find themselves actively struggling against that system just to exist in the way they want to exist. Yeah, if you're going to do a detente, like, you know, uh, post-World War II, Ru- Soviet Russia, or the USSR, and now, you know, China and Cuba to some extent, even though they are pretty much in a state of... they America is in a state of war with Cuba, but it's essentially detente. And we have to... And we constantly are hating on China, even though they haven't really launched a military threat against us. Yeah, they haven't had a fight. They haven't had a war since they, I would say, stupidly invaded Vietnam. Well, a lot of people stupidly invaded Vietnam. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a big club, isn't it? Basically, whenever you're talking about the ideology of capitalism, the kind of system of capitalism, ideology kind of it draped itself over top of already invented and already extant uh structures so you you think of these things in as a base an economic base and then a superstructure on top which the base doesn't necessarily in in some ways the the superstructure which is built above the the economic system exists in ways to reinforce that base on which it is built so you see things similar to or you see things like a superstructural event would be like say an an election a bourgeois election while we may believe that to be kind of the the rudder the real rudder is of course the profit creation and the profit motive that under undergirds the bourgeois democracies that will incur these elections because that, that is the reason that we have two candidates who are both still very much in the pocket of big money interests we're never going to the reason a and i mean bernie sanders is still not exactly what we'd call left by our standards but a bernie sanders type candidate could never have a chance to actually succeed in this country because he does not actively support the wheels of capital continuing to turn at full efficiency i can't remember if uh, i know i've said it before i could i guess look it up real quick but uh i believe it was thomas sankara maybe or it was an african socialist who said uh that they have one party, but in typical American uh, extravagance. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember they... the pro- yeah, yeah, yeah. America, America is a one-party state. However, in typical American extravagance, they still choose to have two of them because the party exists to reinforce, at least at a at at a grander level. You know, you can have parliamentary parties, but a party, a political party, at the base of it, is really about pushing forward the interests of a certain class. And that's how, because as uh, I believe it was Lenin or Engels who said that the state itself exists as essentially a a technology that you use to dominate one class by another. So in the sense that we currently have a state, it is a bourgeois state used to dominate a working class proletarian 
group a class, which is, of course, then subdivided and divided among itself in order to maintain, you know, that crabs in a fucking barrel system that keeps the superstructure stable on top of a base of exploitation. Yeah, so by its very nature, capitalism can't exist without greed being at its core of what makes the winner what separates the winners from the losers yes and it's 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 brought down to a a not an well it is an algorithm because it is kind of this equation of you know you're trying to pull out from people a thing called surplus value and what surplus value is is you know you and i at an hourly wage let's say we're we're making a living wage of whatever that the fucking is now. But you only have to work so many hours to reach a wage that, or to to reach the amount of money that it requires for you to exchange for goods that would reproduce your life in a comfortable way. Or, you know, we hope in a comfortable way. In many cases, especially in the development of capitalism and its expansion across the world and to this day in many places, including America, uh, that is not enough for people to live comfortably or even to live at all. But the system of creating surplus value is essentially looking at that point when you finally break over that line of, oh, you've made enough to live. And then beyond that, you are asked to work and produce surplus. And once that surplus has been taken from you, you are paid essentially that minimum amount to keep you alive and coming into work physically the next day. functional and able to do the job of making more profit for someone right it's like adding grease to a gear it's like you only give this so much you know it's not even necessarily to keep the gear running it's to keep the entire machine producing the product that you need so if one or two gears needs replacing that's what you that's you man you're getting replaced yeah they, they have no problem throwing out the lower class people and swapping them interchangeably in the name of making sure the system keeps running smoothly. We'll have some laughs and get along and always worship Jeff. We'll all pretend America is really moving left. We'll all be happy trapped in hell, the family bereft. Because when we spell family, we spell it with a capital F. Capital F is filled with some live student audience. Good morning, Carson City. It's another beautiful day on the sunny West Coast in the fastest growing city in America. I'm Chad Wavebreak, and I'm joined, as always, by my female co-host, who I don't respect enough to learn the name of. It's Amanda. <laughs> Someone sure is feeling chatty today. Anyway, now that you're done rambling, let's get down to what's going on in our great city. Our big story of the day, as you may all remember, our local Slamazon warehouse won the nationwide efficiency challenge, netting the company over $200 billion in profits in under a month. Well, today, Jiffy Bozo, the world's first trillionaire, will be visiting them personally to throw a pizza party for the staff. They'll be allowed to take five whole paid minutes off to enjoy the fruits of their labor. That doesn't sound like very much. Hey, you, can it. I'm talking. Anyway, Bozo should be coming into the city suburbs even as we speak. 
Well, what a treat for those employees. It just goes to show you, hard work really does pay off. Are you, you serious? It's insulting. Those employees generated hundreds of billions of dollars of wealth in one month. And added together, they probably made less than $1 million in all that time. They don't deserve a pizza party. They deserve to own that warehouse. <laughs> no, Robbie, don't be silly. Bozo paid for that warehouse with his own money, fair and square. If he hadn't made the initial investment, those workers wouldn't have anywhere to work from. Using wealth that you got through exploitation to accumulate more wealth isn't the same as actually adding value to society. I've tried to explain this to you so many times. Gosh... Darn it. Hey, Robbie, watch your language, mister. I, I did. It's what I should have said is that Jiffy Bozo is a lot. Now, who could that be? Oh, my goodness. It's the real Jiffy Bozo. Hey, let's give him a hand out here, folks. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. It's so nice to be Get here. Fucked, you piece of shit. Whoa! Sounds like someone out there's a bit overexcited. We'll make sure he doesn't interrupt the rest of the show for all you folks. <laughs> well, now that that's been handled, my goodness, what are you doing here, Mr. Bozo? Please call me Jiffy, because I'm a very likable, normal human guy. Anyway, I was heading through this charming part of the city when I realized I'd forgotten to prepare what I was going to say to all the little people who made me a bunch of money. You should say, here's all the money you actually generated. You're all billionaires, too, now. <laughs> ha! You sure are a spirited young kid. Look, I know it doesn't make sense to someone as young as you, but the world can't work like that. If everyone who put a billion dollars of worth of value into the world was a billionaire, the term would stop meaning anything special for folks like me. I should know. I was a lowly billionaire once. I was told there would be some laughter here. Anyway, it's important for there to be wild degrees of separation between a class of people who have to work their bodies and minds and the ones who only need to work with their greatness. Do you hear yourself when you say working with your greatness? It sounds like what you're actually saying is not doing any work. Your employees hate you plenty already. If you say something like that, they might go on a full on riot, which, you know, actually works just fine for me. Wow, you sure are a handful there, kiddo. I appreciate you letting me know what isn't working. More advice like that, and I'll be able to figure out what does work. Oh no, I see what's happening here. I think I'm gonna stick around here and let you peasants tell me the best way to talk to the other peasants at my warehouse. Oh, well that sounds delightful! Everyone knows that if you bend over backwards to appease the rich, they'll share that wealth with you and definitely not treat you as disposable the moment you're done being useful. Ugh, spending the next 20-ish minutes with Jiffy Bozo. Gross city! You know, I've been going through, been reading this book by uh, Malcolm Harris, a very good book if anybody gets a chance to. I found it actually at my library. So you don't have to pay for it, although because it has been so good, I might I might go get it and have a physical copy. But the book is called Palo Alto, and it's kind of talking about the ascension from 
railroad barons to Palo Alto, Silicon Valley that we know now. And, you know, you think so much about California like, oh, far out, dude, Uh, the man's coming to get you. And this is kind of like I don't want us to sound too much like we're ragging on hippies or anything, but that's not necessarily what we're talking about. That's there are there are forces that don't need to sound like you're coming out of a, you know, an LSD haze or something. Yeah, no, the, 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 the hands, the hands of power, the hands controlling the system aren't uh, quite so mysterious and uh, vague as the man. We have very specific uh, people out there who are actively pulling the strings who don't make it in any way subtle that they're doing that, and we just let them. Yeah, there are people involved. And then I I would also say before going on, despite the fact that, yeah, there are people destroying the world and they have names and addresses, there's also a quote from that same book, Palo Alto, that was talking about railroad barons, and I believe it was... Leland Stanford Sr., who said when somebody asked him, I can't even remember, it sounds way too smart of a quote for him, but uh, because the guy was dumb as a post, they were talking about, uh, you know, the inside going on goings on about the railroad industry. And he responded to one of those questions like, sir, you ask of railroads and wheat. You speak not of men, but of forces. And in some sense, that is still, in very many senses, that is still the, 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 the case. These are not, we don't believe, as, as Marxist at least, uh, we don't believe that great men necessarily decide the fate of the universe, but that great forces will search for a face to put in front of essentially it's the it's the base and superstructure model imposed on humanity as a sense of as a historical humanity where you're asking how did this happen and it's not necessarily because of one man but you have to have a man to exemplify or you know man woman whoever to exemplify that point that process of historical change so if i understand correctly what you're saying kyle only the most good and noble and justice-oriented justice, justice oriented people will rise to the top in capitalism. That's correct, because it is a perfect system that only brings up the most perfect beings to take over. Jokes aside, yeah, the system is designed to encourage the most evil people to do the most evil shit, because that's how the wheels keep turning. Yeah, I think that it's fairly obvious to anyone who, again, who has listened before. But people now, people knew, you all know how selfish people are. It's not always like that. There are many people who are selfless. The system itself, I mean, we all know who Reagan is. We all know who was in power in the 80s. And they said it out loud. They said, greed is good. And we're not doing so hot now. So I don't know if that was ever a good idea. But it's essentially that. Well, I mean, you say we're not doing so hot, but America is still the quote unquote richest country in the world. We're richer than ever. We've got so much money and it's all in the pockets of about seven people. Yeah, that number keeps going up. How could... How could people be doing poorly? Look at the stock market. Look at the Dow Jones. It's over 30,000 again, or 40,000. I don't fucking know. It's an exponential number. It doesn't stop going down or going up unless, you know, the housing market crashes and then they get bailed out and goes right back up again anyhow. Fish for sale, fresh fish. Come and get these knickknacks. You won't find a better price. Best quality weapons and armor you'll find at a price you can afford. Come check my wares. I've potions of every sort. Ah, what a great day of adventuring. 
I've acquired a whole swath of goods. Surely they will fetch a great price. Hmm. That vendor looks to be of some good repute. Hail and well met. Tell me, shopkeep, would you be interested in buying my wares? I have just acquired them from a day of adventuring. Oh, yes. I'll buy goods of any sort at a fair price. We'll just place them up on the counter here. Ah, let's see here. Four chipped longswords, 102 broken arrows, six clay pots, an enchanted lightning dagger, ooh, a slightly flawed emerald, 41 wheels of cheese, and a live chicken. Not quite the haul you had today. I'll offer you 4,629 gold pieces. That's an incredibly fair price. I do love how readily available money is here in Scandinordica. It seems you vendors simply can buy the most random things and always offer a decent amount of gold. Now tell me, how is it that we can be so comfortable here while allowing for others to accumulate even more wealth? The slaves! What? Surely you jest. We haven't had slavery on these shores in several generations. Oh, no, no, of course not. Don't be silly. I don't mean slaves here. You see, across the Sandrim Sea is the desert of Syracana. Over there, slavery is still very much legal. We offer fair wages here, and then when we want to generate additional profits, we export additional manual labor to over there. Then we split the profits made by the slavery with the slave owners of Syracana. It works great. That's detestable. Pray tell, how could the things I just sold you possibly be useful to those slavers? Uh, well, let's see here. These broken weapons and arrows will probably be stripped down by hand for resources. I mean, sure, a couple slaves might die from cuts and nicks as they do it, but they don't have much of the way of healthcare. Now, if the Lord decides he doesn't want to keep the enchanted weapon, he'll probably have the magicka extracted from it. And since the slaves don't have safe modern disenchantment runes, there's probably going to be a mishap or two in the process, but the explosion will thankfully only harm more slaves. The magicka itself isn't in any danger of getting corrupted, so that's the important thing. As for the cheese and the chicken, well, it'll probably be used to feed the slaves. No, it'll probably be a, a bit rancid when it gets there, but oh well. That's awful. I had no idea such detestable things were happening elsewhere. I almost hate to ask, but what of the emerald? As for that, I'll refine it here and get it ready for any adventurer who might want to socket it to crit damage for a weapon. You see, I'm only a gem shop, but in the magical land of Scandinordica, any vendor will buy anything. You mean to tell me, shopkeep, that if I seek to avoid contributing to slavery, I must sell goods only to the vendor who uses them? Actually, not necessarily there. Even if you bring everything to the most suitable vendor, they might just not have need for that specific item. How dreadful. Is there any way to avoid contributing to the slavery of the less fortunate while still making a livable income? Oh no, of course not. I mean, not without getting rid of the concept of profit altogether, but that's obviously not so. Hmm. I see. You've given me much to think on. Fairly well, Vendor. I believe I have a new quest. I had no idea of the horrors that lurked in this world. I can now see that my previous adventures were merely vainglorious gallivanting. Now, I embark on a true quest of valor and righteousness. I, Garrett Redfang, will purge this land of the profit motive and free from their shackles the oppressed of every corner of the world. And so the brave warrior began to prepare himself for a journey, a journey that would take him far across the lands into perilous situations and indescribable hardship. His adventure was truly just beginning. Oh. 
Right. Audio medium. You can't see the title card. The ti- It says Legends of Scandinordica. Uh, my bad. Yeah, though, I mean, American capitalism is obviously designed to let a few rich assholes walk away with uh, as much profit as possible while actively shitting on the rest of the populace and the self and the very, 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 very rare instances of a actually moderately decent person making a living, making a good living in this country are vastly overshadowed by the alternative. But there's a a different uh, overseas in Europe. There's a different kind of capitalism called the Nordic model that we all hold up as this gold standard of uh, this is how capitalism could work and actually take care of the people while still allowing for different tiers of people, which is obviously important in society. Now, I don't know how much other people love uh, geography as much as I, I, I grew up like as a huge nerd. I'm still a fucking huge nerd. I used to basically just peruse maps as a kid. You know, my my uh, grandparents had a shitload of paper roadmaps that I would kind of like look at, especially the one where I'm from, Missouri. But um, if we don't know, the Nordic countries are those in the north half of Europe, those ones who are hanging out along the edge of the Arctic Circle. We're talking Norway. We're talking Sweden. Um, we're talking Denmark. Uh, I guess supposedly we might use, we might also say Finland to some extent, although they're technically like something different, but basically a Nordic model there. Iceland, another one. Uh, These are countries that are, except for, I believe, Sweden, or uh, except for Denmark, they are all outside of the EU. They still exist as somewhat separate uh, economic entities, at least tradable economic entities, because they all, of course, as mentioned earlier, we live in a global system that kind of relies on a grander connection. Yeah, I mean, if you want to succeed as a country, you can't completely escape talking to America. Absolutely not, no. And and I think that people oftentimes forget that because we have these unnatural borders drawn between us that we are essentially living in a post-national uh, system, one that is dominated most effectively by multinational and transnational corporations. So you have people you have people who are benefiting from that system, but who live inside of a bubble of nationality, say in Norway where or Denmark or whoever, where you still have a social safety net as it is often described. So you have things like, Universal free health care, free at the point of surface health care. You have, um, you know, subsidized housing. You have uh, fair market rates for food. A, a prison system that isn't actively oppressive to the populace and, and randomly imprisoning people just for the sake of it. Yeah, they probably don't use their prison populations as slave labor uh, as they do in America. But the thing about those... Nordic countries is not nece- is that they are not separate from the overall uh, system, and the overall system is of course controlled to an extent, or at the very least, kind of ruddered by the United States, and based on essentially at this point, you know, people people shit their bed about things like oh, we need to go back to the gold standard because they're idiots, but. Um, the the essential standard by which people base their currencies and base all of these transactional 
transnational uh, economies on is essentially the confidence in the United States dollar and the United States as a military beacon. Uh, At its core, part of what makes the Nordic model keep turning is that they quite literally export their misery. Yeah. And I mean, we do a fair bit of that in America already, because if I mean, as bad as it is here, it's still a first world country by some standards. But yeah, Norway and places like Norway and Sweden and stuff just do more of that. Yeah, they don't have we in America, of course, we've seen recently things about, you know, 14 year olds that working in meatpacking plants. There's still terrifying sweatshop labor. There's all sorts of horrific violations of people's natural humanity uh, going on in America. And I don't want to deny that there's probably something similar going on in places in the Nordic countries. But the model that it supposes is more of a what we would call a social democracy, one that undergirds its parliamentary superstructure with more safety nets is is the word that comes to mind, but is basically ba- is still based in the capitalist mode of extraction, capitalist mode of creating surplus value and extracting that from your people. And in the case of, say, Sweden, what you do in order to maintain that kind of special good relationship where you can create that social democracy because we don't allow, we don't allow that shit to happen everywhere we don't ha- let it happen in colombia we don't let it happen in brazil but we do let it happen in sweden in part say because throughout the cold war we use them as a kind of dump for moving weapons across we use them as essentially nodes in the american empire norway they can dump, give us a shitload of oil. Not like we need it, but they still act as a transaction point for oil to supply places like the UK who are more on board and more physically, or not physically, but more militarily connected to us. Because they are, of course, our previous, you know, over <laughs> global overlords. And as an added bonus, the people there are so statistically happy that they are not going to revolt and up upturn the system in any way yeah it's 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 like bread and circuses as you know what's his face um jesus i can never remember the actual name of the the roman the asshole bread and circus guy, yeah. yeah i think it was like it wasn't virgo it was way later than that it was like uh valens you have the internet at your I'll disposal someday but it, it'll come to me while i'm like laying down to sleep and i'll be hitting myself oh, feel free to google bread and circus if you care about the name of the guy who came up with it first but you know what we're talking about. Yeah, basically, you know, you have all these people who are relatively very happy, very much more okay with the way that the world is. And if Twitter's anything to go by, they are um, insufferably smug about their separation from things like the Iraq War or, you know, Afghanistan. Well, while, of course, being passively complicit in the sense that they, you know, they allowed us to, they, they allowed us to be a, uh, to stand as a go between. Mm-hmm. They still exist in in the transnational system that supports these kind of shit. Yeah, any anyone who didn't actively oppose the war was for the war. Yep. Um. But yeah, that's so. That's basically the Nordic model. It's definitely got a lot of drawbacks in, uh, in the global sense, even if those don't show up in the people who are living there day to day. But uh, going back to America, which is where we tend to focus our podcast, 
we need to look at that's how I was talking about earlier that the, we, we've got our two parties but they're really just one party and we need to let's take a look at uh, a lot of people might argue oh well look how much the Democrats don't like the Republicans on the news every day and uh, yeah on the news that is definitely the front-facing view but uh, and admittedly the Democrats will vote down stuff on the culture war issues that are still important but don't but don't actually stop the wheels of capital from turning one way or the other the culture war itself. We, we can see that there are things on top of it that can be, you know, at least superficially addressed by statements, you know, people acknowledging others. But the actual base underneath that, the, the people getting hurt, the people are being, you know, attacked in these so-called culture war issues, uh, they're still facing essentially uh, a united front against them. Because most of the time you're talking about people who are getting, you know, essentially, say, trans people trotted out as sacrificial lambs for for uh, an agenda to essentially, you know, maintain the system as it is. Yeah, we're too busy worrying about the fact that uh, trans people are being treated like subhumans to address the fact that our entire country is falling into a state of decay because this specific decay is so much more immediate and noticeable. I just also think that, like, the idea that as it is framed by Republicans, by Democrats, and by the media, uh, kind of the mainstream of media, uh, as somewhat separate from the rest of, you know, the supposedly bread and potatoes, the meat and potatoes, the tabletop issues that people are, I don't think that necessarily there is such a definition that can kind of take whatever culture, what what we would define as culture war issues away from you know the tabletop you know it's still i think a similar outgrowth of what is a intensely uh anti-social and individualist system you know yeah so like in a communist utopia there is no reason that we wouldn't have a you know perfect perfect egalitarian treatment of trans people people of uh people of color women any any other my uh I say minority, like women make up more than half of the world, yeah, but you know yeah. what I mean. <laughs> I do wonder, though, this is a tangent from what we're doing, but um, I kind of wonder, like, people oftentimes think of, you know, you see those idiots pretending to be, what are they called? They call themselves patriotic socialists, which is just oh, yeah, Pat Sox. a wild Ugh. thing to say, uh, or MAGA communists, those freaks. Um, they, they don't actually believe in communism. They no, don't they're know. not communism. Uh, they're not communists. It, it, they, they, they take on the trappings of an online group that they feel like they can either, in, in, in the most cynical senses, extend their careers, extend their, their uh, personas through, or in the more less, I guess, uh, front-facing sense, they're just sinking any meaning, which is a... An understandable impulse, if one that is being kind of, it's disgusting how they do it because the it it produces these people who who think that communism is disregarding uh, the the lives of trans and black and uh, people of color. You know, it's there's no there's no acceptance beyond they would say the workers' state, but then they they say that you know Starbucks people aren't. People who work at Starbucks aren't workers. Are you being exploited? You are a proletarian. That kind of stuff. They they don't think. They don't try. It's about again crabs in a barrel. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's it's obvious that these people exist. 
basically to create an antagonistic uh, structure toward communists, whether it's a psyop or whether it's just that they're that stupid. I couldn't tell you. Yeah, and, and it doesn't really matter. It kind of shows the same same divide between the the people who vote Democrat or vote Republican. There, there's not a sincere divide between them that would you know cause a real break in the system at least not one that's planned you know not one that's like built towards say from a a labor movement you see people who are democrats you see people who are republicans and what do they do they support invading iraq they support bombing afghanistan after we've supposedly pulled out they support country crippling child murdering sanctions in iran in uh cuba we we see it all over the fucking world and it is bipartisan it is across what we would say are ideologies on the face of them but underneath all of these people seem to share the same pro-capitalist pro-exploitation ideology unity can be achieved as long as it's in the name of profit yeah (laughs) but yeah i mean that's that's why these culture war issues exist so that we can create these false divides between our two parties and well i mean and also because people are hateful spiteful easily propagandized idiots yeah especially in this country you know said it it's like the, the people here i say are, that but i mean look at the uk they're even worse oh than we no are no the uk's stuff. are like uh they're 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 lizard people they're terrifying <laughs> uh, <laughs> because you know that's where we came from we more so even than like our founding myth you know of george washington and all them bullshit slave owners but the the people who we are now when we took over this system in the interwar years and then after world war ii that that mantle was passed down to us by the lizard people on that island. So they still have that same uh, individualism, that same kind of selfishness that sneaks into every part of our lives today. And that individualism is exactly what they like to highlight in their uh, political discourse. Make sure that you feel like you're being heard with your vote, even though knowing full well that, it, that because you're an individual and not a collective, you have no actual power. Sensible Secret Service Agent. Sir, now that your media appearance is over, I wanted a quick word with you while you're still lucid. Uh, Yes, of course. I can always make time for such a trusted advisor. What's on your mind? Well, it's about the war in Ukraine. As you know, we've spent almost $30 billion sending them weapons, and that's just what's on the books. In light of the recent leaks, a lot of the public has good reason to believe that it's a good deal more than that. And even worse, it's been shown that for all this spending, Ukraine is still losing this war. Well, of course they are. They were never going to win this war. It's about weakening one of our capitalist rivals so that the rich people we want making more profit are in a better position to do so. When money funnels back through our country instead of Russia, it's a good old-fashioned (sighs) win-win. Sir, I uh, don't think that the dying civilians of either country would consider it a win for them. I'm not just talking about the ones that are being blown up in combat while the war is going on. People of both nations are having their homes and livelihoods destroyed. You're not getting it. Russia attacked Ukraine, so they're automatically the bad guys. As we know, every citizen in a land that launches an unjust invasion is automatically guilty, so they deserve whatever happens to them. No offense, sir, but by that logic, every American is evil. Ah, nonsense. We've never sent a military force anywhere they weren't doing good, because America is, and always has been, the good guys. Well, obviously, I... 
disagree with you there, but let's not get into that. The billions we've spent haven't been doing anything more than helping one far-right country kill a few more people in another far-right country. We could have spent that money here instead. Set up an infrastructure for universal health care or free public colleges or high-speed public transit, just to name a few ideas. That or there's still plenty of places in the country without clean water. Now, hold on. You're missing the big picture here. We have to spend that money on military endeavors because then we can justify increasing our military budget here at home next year. Sir, think about this. The people of this country are begging for better conditions, and even the alt-right is largely made up of people who are just angry at how terrible things are. If they were offered an alternative to their deeply misguided views on how to fix the problems they face, maybe they would come around and stop engaging in white supremacy. You know? Hmm. You know, you make a great point. If I offered an olive branch to the lower class, it could be my ticket to getting re-elected. Oh, the drugs are wearing off. Oh, sir, please hold on to your faculties just a bit longer while I plead my case. I assure you programs that benefit the lives of everyday Americans will treat you far better in the polls than any militaristic spending ever could. Look, I'm supporting the war in Afghanistan, and that is that. My career as a senator depends on it. Ah, crap. Uh, oh, well, no point in giving up now. Sir, if if any of this is still getting through to you, please consider this. Your whole thing is reaching across the aisle. And while it's for all the wrong reasons, the Republicans are actually against this war. I know Russia is led by an idiot oligarch, but he's an idiot oligarch who is just crazy enough to keep pushing. Do we really want to spend ludicrous amounts of money pushing back? Where will it end? Russia? Oh, I was just meeting with Putin the other day about strengthening our economic... Anamakama uh, money ties. He and Barack really seem to have reached a compromise. Yeah, that Romney jerk thinks we got the kid gloves on, but leave it to the Republicans to pointlessly hate on Russia. <sighs> Sir, th th that was a decade ago. Remember, the Democrats don't like Russia now. Wait, what am I saying? Both views are stupid. My whole point is that we should focus on aiding our citizens rather than getting wrapped up in rabid nationalism. Oh, yeah, my buddy had to get a rabies shot when I was a boy. The year was 1952. It was a sunny day, about 65 degrees, when a frothy-mouthed brown and black schnauzer hopped out of an alley, bit old Franklin right on the leg. Well, I'll tell you what, I punted that little furball 20 feet, helped Frankie up, and we were running like bats out of hell. Uh, the thing well, about Frankie is he always had a bad leg. I guess I'll have to try okay. again after I, the I next speech. I as good as I could, even though he was running on two bad legs now. We ate it all the way down Uh, and uh, that so with that framework of how our uh, political system is meant to work, we can you may have heard the term controlled opposition before. I feel like we're more ready to kind of give that a firm definition to anyone who wasn't already on the same page as us. Yeah, I think that people generally think of controlled opposition necessarily in like conspiratorial terms. And that's not to say that that doesn't happen. You know, you, you think of things like, oh, there's a man in a smoked room. Uh, what, what, or yeah, <laughs> there are people in, in, in the back in a smoky room making all decisions. I don't know where else they're going to make it, but the, the idea too, that it's all some sort of plan that there's some all knowing eye is, it, it is far fetched, you know? I but, mean, not to say there aren't those smoke-filled rooms. Certainly. <laughs> Steve's Island. <laughs> yeah. Bohemian Grove. <laughs> I, again, reading that Palo Alto book, Bohemian Grove apparently actually existed, and I, I thought it was kind of a myth thing before I read it, and um, it's out there in Florida, and they or not Florida, out there in California, and 
uh tricky dick walked in there ronald reagan walked in there uh george hw or not hw but george w book walked in there and talked to people from the so-called uh hoover institute named for the president um and essentially were anointed so it's not as though those decisions aren't made but the idea that the controlled opposition is exclusively i should say made in those kind of decision decision making rooms or you know in the sense of bohemian grove like a cabin uh very posh cabin obviously but it, the the symptoms of a controlled opposition the 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 kind of weakness is sometimes a simply a result of people's own beliefs people's own beliefs like say joe manchin who i think is probably actually like mostly cynical and shitty i mean he owns a yacht he's a bad person no doubt he is massively corrupt gives his daughter yeah. a shitload of I money mean, it's not obviously you can be a person. piece of shit and still have an alternate agenda right and still also believe in things that are bad but believe in things and ultimately since people are incentivized to do some things and some and incentivized not to do other things maybe their opposition to certain proposals are not so vociferous or powerful which is why you have assholes like the parliamentarian crawling out of the woodwork you know everybody remember that from two years ago yeah there's always there's always something there's always some new way that they can prevent us from actually having change via electoralism i mean look at the obama administration when we had a 60 40 split in the senate in favor of the democrats and the democrats also had a very firm hold of the house oh, what did we pass yeah, the ACA, we we fucking ran it down into the ground and gave us a watered-down uh, third-party processor uh, supported and written law that was implemented by Mitt Romney when he was in charge of Massachusetts called Ob that we all colloquially call Obamacare. You know, it's all, they, like, beyond that, you know, you think incrementalism might change something. You know, you think that especially post 90s all these people thought oh we're working in the right direction we weren't you know we invaded iraq after the 90s uh we invaded iraq in the 90s and it never got better and the same thing is that there wasn't at least not after 2008 there wasn't any group to kind of force anything beyond incrementalism which would of course only give us things like you know a joe lieberman backed obamacare yeah i mean this isn't to say there's a lot of there's a lot of talk from the left of just don't bother voting. You may as well vote. It's one of the things they actually let us do. You know, yeah, like it's it's and there's and to be fair, they, they, because the Republicans know they can, they keep putting up even more actively and openly evil candidates. And so, I mean, you may as well vote, but you're not you're not going to slow the decay of us into a capitalist dystopia yeah. by voting. It's not a it's not a solution by any chance by any sense it's just how many it, really the question is how many trans lives can we save between now and the end of the revolution <laughs> yeah for real it's that it's how many children are you going to continue to let die in schools how many how many people are you going to let rot on the streets so i mean so yeah voting still has a merit yeah. but it's definitely not the solution yeah and I, I don't, I, I've said, I said it in our last episode, the one where, uh, y'all, if you haven't watched it or listened to it, you should listen to it. The special, the second special in the Zorzan and Aglub, uh, duopoly, duology. Yeah. Well, I mean, and if you haven't listened to the first part, definitely yeah, do, do that the, first. Both of those. 
there's a little refresher, but it's way better if you listen to the whole thing. But uh, I mentioned, and you as well mentioned, that it's like there are, there are good uses for voting. It's just not at a national level. It's not at the, the, the one that you hear all of the, the, the hubbub, the buzz about. It's, it's in the state legislator, really, that things are going to shit. And so if you wanted to vote, yeah, vote locally, obviously, and vote at a state level. The national stuff, I don't know how much any of that's ever going to affect us ever again. Yeah, I mean, like, most of these states are going massively in favor of one party or another. The, the If you live in one of those states that it doesn't go like that, I guess, still prioritize voting on the national level. But even then, even then, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. And plus, look at what you can do if you're, say, well, we can get into this, but Minneapolis or Minnesota right now kicking total sh- total ass with a one vote Senate majority. Yeah, if you have the right if you, if you have the right people in the right places at the state level, you can actually start making some changes. But even then, electoralism has never been uh, on, on the national level a result of major changes. If you want those major changes on the national level, it's always come in the form of some kind of actual revolution civil rights movement that wasn't because we voted hard it was because people took to the streets yeah it was because gay marriage it was because we had constant parades going and 80 percent support for it being a thing yeah for years and then they still didn't codify it they still waited and relate waited until the (laughs) until the courts would make a decision for them yeah and if you do rely on electoralism to be the defensive mechanism then you might have a roe v wade situation yeah uh you know what isn't going to end up in a roe v wade situation i i it, it, there's a a term that aren't that rhymes with schmarmed struggle that would be a more convenient maybe not convenient but certainly a more certain way to ensure those rights so uh that's this is where we might lose some of the democrat uh center left listeners Guns, we need guns. We, we need better controls on who has the guns because mental health is a serious problem in this country and we have very unwell people taking the guns. But we need guns. Yeah, I it's it's not a it's not necessarily a thing that we should think of as black and white as we as you are, you know, subjected to. I personally don't own a firearm uh yeah neither do i i i don't think that i would be of much it would be of much use to oh, me. no when the revolution comes i'll probably be one of the first ones dead but, yeah and- uh i think part of the thing that might work better for most people is to know where guns are obviously uh i would uh, i'm also a straight white dude nobody's coming out of the woodwork but i see people who are trans who are arming and that makes total fucking sense uh, yeah, I absolutely. See people who... When I see when I see like when I saw uh, the little tr- uh, Antifa trans militia standing up front of that club where uh, the mass shooting happened, I was like, yes, mm-hmm. hell yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I've uh, been reading a lot about the Black Panther Party. They would essentially run armed escorts towards arrests, which is terrifying to imagine that you could be at any point shot as a member of the black panther party by a crazy ass cop uh, obviously this is back in the 60s and 70s the cops were slightly yeah, less cops armed. never murder anyone now yeah the, but they were slightly less armed than they are now um so that kind of direct action matters especially you know because the black panthers they eventually did get in there were some gunfights but for the most part uh it was a show of force that I think worked and really 
I mean, who 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 other than Reaganite freaks thinks badly of the Black Panther parties? You know, it's crazy to think of how gun centered a lot of their politics were or at least supported by their weapons, because uh, many of the Black Panther, not many of them, but I believe it was. Kwame Torre before I think he split. I can't remember who, but a Black Panther Party member who was making declarations to the uh, Capitol, I believe, in California, said, I believe, quoting Mao, we hold that political autonomy comes from the barrel of a gun. It can either come for you or come from you. And I'm not saying that you got to go out and shoot your neighbors. That's obviously insane, like the way that uh, Greg Abbott said. But Tony Abbott, Greg Abbott. There is a right wing fear of they will take all of our guns on the left as well, because if they take all of our guns, then we're easy to oppress. But the difference is that when they when the right wing sees oppression, they think, oh, no, a straight white man might not have all the power and all the money and all the everything. Yeah, it's the it's the <laughs> it's it's the 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 petty blanc. Uh, social paranoia. You're you gotta stand up for what small amount of power you can exert over others. Yeah, not so us, but them. Before you jump to uh oh, horseshoe theory confirmed. There, mm-hmm. there's there's some nuance there. Better pay for workers down with auto light. Whoa, dude. Once again, we're just in time to protect, uh, well, uh, time. What's happening here, Bachelor? Uh, even with our broken chronometer, I can tell this is, uh, the auto light strike within the 1930s. How can you tell that? We're closed, guys. Anyway, can I interest you in a down with auto light sign, pal? Oh, duh. Uh, okay, but, uh, what's about to go wrong? I don't know yet, brah, but we need to be ready for whatever. My fellow union workers, the Ohio National Guard is on their way. They've said that if we simply give up our demands and take a pittance, we'll be allowed to vote for better conditions in a couple more years. Now, I'm a coward, so this seems like a fair deal to me. Who's with me? Ah, well, uh, I don't want to get shot. Maybe it's for the best we just give up. Right, so, uh, that is definitely not how this is all supposed to go down. If these guys don't stand their ground now, it'll show weakness in the ranks of the workers. Oh, man, that's no good. That could, like, take the entire New Deal. What what are we gonna do, Bachelor? Hold on. I've got a plan. Um, uh, attention, protesting workers! I know standing up to people with guns sounds scary, but if you stand your ground here, it'll prove they can't push you around, dudes! Now, it's gonna suck for you right now, but think about how much better it'll be in, like, 
a later time, whenever you have your better conditions. Anyway, it's not about you, it's about your ancestors, and the lives you can make for them if you stand up now. Well, I can't have any ancestors if I get shot to death. Yeah, we can always vote our way to change. It might not have worked any of the last times we tried it, but this time's different. Hold on, let me try something. Uh, cover for me for a bit. Uh, Rumi, where are you, where are you going? All right, um, hey, but before you all commit to giving up, how about I show you Brosif's uh, cool trick with my luminescent level? All right, hang on now. Wait, uh, how do I get this thing to... Let's, oh, thank goodness you're back, Rumi. Hey, Union guys, I just got back from talking to all those National Guard guys, and they said they were going to humiliate you by making you give up your protest and then have sex with your wives. I hate my wife anyway, and the joke isn't stupid and controversial in good old 1934. <clears throat> oh, I'm having a stroke. Uh, I mean, have sex with your mothers. What? Nobody has sex with my mother, not even my dad. I'll show these yellow bastards we're not giving up. We fought for hard for our rights, and we're not letting them win now. Ho oh, awesome job, Rumi. The time stream is showing up as stable again. Now, back in the sedan, it's actually legit gonna get pretty messy around here. Yeah, those National Guard guys did seem like they were out for blood. At least this is gonna lead to better conditions for laborers as long as they don't go back to being complacent sheep again in a few decades. Oh, why do you have to say such bummer statements after these adventures, man? So yeah, we've kind of hopefully sold you on maybe capitalism has some flaws at this point based on how the system is designed to keep us oppressed. But you might look and say, well, look at all the U the communist history, though. It's clearly never worked in practice. It's, I mean, sounds great in theory, but in practice, it's just absolute dog shit. So we want to real quick cover some bases with you and say, here's some misconceptions you might have heard about communism. Yeah, I mean, we all know that um, we've probably all seen that quote or that erroneous statistic of 100 million dead by the communists which you know says Ooh, that, that sounds like a lot of people kyle yeah, it does we might want to just give this whole thing up somehow that it, or we could break down exactly how they got that number somehow it keeps growing every time i see it too but the 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 essential estimates are basically if we want to talk we've said it in the past you can look it up um the things say the 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 russian supposed russian genocide the russian genocide in the ukraine the uh collectivization of the farmlands um we can say pretty definitively that the numbers that are given many people definitely definitely died but they died because of famine that was largely caused uh in part by unfortunate you know really really obviously unfortunate um weather patterns and also civil war. So multiple years of civil war, multiple years of bad, bad harvest led to starvation in a lot of uh, what we now call Ukraine. Um, and that we think we think of, at least by by the way that people kind of classify it when they are taking that in, uh, when they take it as truth, uh, that's called the Holodomor, which ultimately was kind of conceptualized as the Holodomor by 
uh, Nazis as propaganda against the United States or the USSR. Well, and let's not ignore that there were kulaks who were actively burning their farmlands to make sure the communists didn't take their grain. Yeah, because it is a white, uh, what was called a white terror, which uh, that initially started in, that's a, that term initially started in the uh, later er, later 1790s in the French Revolution. But the white terror was also kulaks, actively Kulaks meaning fist, essentially tight fist. They're they're the the local landowning um, local landowning peasants who were proletarianizing the poorer peasants among among them by forcing them into labor rates and you know exploiting them like all capitalists do. Um, these kulaks meaning fist, of course, uh, were burning and destroying crops, farmland killing livestock essentially to undermine the new red revolution in Russia. Yeah. So there were a lot of reasons to believe that they were the bad guys. If, if that term really means anything, uh, since I suppose we are working on those kinds of terms when we're talking about these kind of made up numbers, like a hundred million dead. Well, and yeah, let's go back to that hundred million. So that famine, that famine accounted for, a good, uh, admittedly, a lot of people, although it was not a fault of actively communism making that famine happen, as we just discussed, but not nearly 100 million. So how did they get that ridiculously inflated number? Well, all the babies that could have been born who weren't because of the starvation, those are tallied into that factor. Yeah, they assumed like, oh, if 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 you were going to continue a population growth based on pre-World War I numbers, you have, and we're counting all of those non, non-births non as deaths, that is somewhere in the realm of 28 million. And it, it grows in the telling. They say 20, 20 million, 21 million. Then by the time of the, the end of the war, when we start the Cold War again, it's up to 36 million. I've seen that number grow as... I have gone through my life here at the end of the 20th and start of the 21st section century up to 38 million. And then they fill in the so other numbers with things from another admittedly not super duper thing, the cultural revolution in China, which did not kill 70 million people. <laughs> so basically by agreeing with that number, you're falling into a GOP talking point of life starts at conception. Yeah, but not even at conception, at non-conception. Conception. Yeah, at, at a at a some subliminal level, there is a there is a as soon a as life there was a the thought of a baby, yeah. maybe happening. <laughs> yeah, that's where they also get up. I assume those silly abortion metrics that they all are like they're killing eighty million babies a year or some bullshit. But yeah, uh, so that's that's the big one. The whole the Holodomor. That's that's a more historical perspective on what went down there. But there's also the arguments of, oh, what about all the people in labor camps who spoke out, who said one bad thing about Stalin one time and got shot in the face? Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is, of course, we can say pretty badly ridiculous to think that they would throw people away for that kind of thing. Uh, like even if you hate communism at its core people are a workforce. Like, even if, you, even if you're trying to look for the most negative possible outlook on communism, a workforce is a workforce. And also, it's like, there's those, when we think of the gulags, the gulags themselves, of course, are 
Siberian work camps, Siberian prisons that most people came out of, you know, that they were not long-term things for the most part. Um, unlike what we could say are American prisons who are work camps. They're, they're no different except that, you know, you get basically killed in there. They keep you there forever for a lot of these people. Or they ask, they do things to you that force you into recidivism, so you keep coming back. Um, well, thank goodness our modern prison system would never do anything like right, that. Right, nothing like that. Uh, we don't have yeah, a like the, the, special carve-outs in our anti-slavery amendment to make sure that we can still take people in as slaves if they've done something that we say is a felony or have done it a, a, a bad misdemeanor three times if we're still working with 1992's law. Yeah, we have people who are in prison in weed legal states for weed. Yeah, in in non-federal prisons, in well, in federal prisons, and I in say like, uh, what do you call it? Um, in, in Colorado, they have supermax prisons where, of course, they're probably doing other things, but drugs, legal drugs, still land people in jail regularly. Well, okay, so let's move on to the next issue. Oh man, uh, those people like uh, Stalin and uh, all, all I mean, basically all those communist la- leaders, they really hated uh, LGBTQ folks, didn't they? Thank goodness none of Stalin's contemporary. They were all the most progressive, woke folks ever. FDR certainly never set up operations to actively hunt and seek out gay people in the military and punish <laughs> them. I, admittedly, uh, this is something that I'm not super duper uh, caught up on. Uh, what I will say to to guard against anybody thinking that I'm like not at all critical is that what Stalin did because he was personally in some ways, um, again, I, 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 we say, as I, as I said earlier, as we said earlier, forces. Oh yeah. Bigotry is still bigotry. Well, yes, but this is all forces. We look for people to encapsulate and show what the kind to exemplify these forces and so stalin is a useful uh a useful marker but stalin was not alone in the kind of i would say bigoted turn away from what had been legalized under the early uh communist rule in the ussr uh because they did they did turn back on some of the uh protections for and legalizations for homosexual love um which is yeah, a mistake I mean, and bad. Like Castro or Ch- uh, Guevara, they were, they were both like, yeah, no, we fucked up in our, our earlier years. Sorry about and, that. And uh, they, Cuba in particular just made a constitutional change in order to ensure people of you know the LGBTQ plus community are safe and have their rights enshrined in law, not just based on a court decision that can be overturned at any point but enshrined in their constitution. So it's not to say, you know, and and people say all the kind of bullshit about, oh, Che killed a bunch of gays because he hates gays. Unsourced. Totally unsourced and untrue. But beyond that, I can't say that, you know, Stalin and his cohort and the people who made that decision, they were wrong. But they yeah, were no, they, they were certainly no worse than Churchill, than FDR, than all the people who continued into the 20th century, into the 21st century to continue 
fighting against homosexual and LGBTQ plus representation, not just representation, but rights and protections. Uh, you know, Obama didn't really care until 2013 when the decision was made for him by Oberfell, you know? Yeah. I mean, Clinton, uh, Hillary Clinton, I should specify, voted against gay marriage multiple times up until, oh, suddenly everyone likes it. Never mind. I like this thing. Yeah. And, and how are you supposed to trust any of that? How are you supposed to believe any of that's real? How are you supposed to believe that's real and then believe instead that you know, it was only Stalin or it was only Castro or it was only Che or it was yeah. only Mao. It was, that was just that was the bigoted, terrible view of the mm -hmm. time. And I'm not trying to justify Stalin for having that view. He was he still fucked up there big time. But so did every one of his contemporaries. Yeah. And, and we could say probably even to a worse extent. So, yeah. Um, any other misconceptions we should clean up, Kyle? Well, I think that a lot of times you just have to look. I, I hate to tell people to read because it sounds so pretentious. And yeah, just, you just read theory, bro. <laughs> you don't. You know what? Don't read theory. Uh, read theory is if you like. Go ahead. You don't have to. Yeah, if you like dense textbooks of histor of historical nonfiction, go you say for it. dense. They're not. They're not all. Maybe they're dense. Yeah, that's right. Michael Parenti is actually pretty accessible. Oh, Parenti's fantastic and super. You don't even need to read him for the most part, although I suggest it because he has very good lecture series that you can find easily uh, on YouTube. Um, so, yeah, if you do want to go out of your way to educate yourself, Parenti is a great place to start. Yeah, Michael Parenti. Great guy. Italian from New York. Very, very fun. Very interesting and good. Uh, great prose in his in his works too but i'm saying you don't even need to read theory necessarily reading about history is i think the greatest way to really and 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 i'm saying read critically i'm not even just saying read only communists read only capitalists and hate everything that they say you know i'm i'm not saying that i'm saying read with an eye for what they're trying to tell what their biases might be and where the information they got came from because a really well-sourced book on history, say Palo Alto by Malcolm Harris, the one I'm currently going through, very well-sourced. A lot of the conclusions that are, are brought up in the book are, you know, you can easily find where he came up with these things and why that kind of policy kind of came out at the time and it wasn't just because of some person's dislike of another person although sometimes that happens you know it is it is forces we're dealing with but there are also men and there are also fuck-ups and there are also you know trips and falls and mistakes but looking at the arc of history and it doesn't always bend towards justice but looking at where history leads and where history has come from is i think a great way of kind of dispelling any of the kind of myths that you have just culturally absorbed by being in this individualist uh, hellhole. So, yeah, if you just are always basically that, one of my big things, and I'm going to try to implement this more in season two is uh, a nice little ABC that I like to go by ABC. Always be learning. Wait, Ooh. fuck. <laughs> um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, it's just good to constantly be uh reevaluating your views constantly second guess yourself because no one knows everything and if you claim you do then you're full of shit yeah you're all full of shit so uh yeah just 
constantly, and I'm, I mean, I'm full of shit too. I'm sure I said things during this episode that I'm going to look back on and be like, ooh, bad take. Yeah, give me a week and um, I'll be like, whoops, I made a mistake. <laughs> and you know what? I've, I've always accepted that I'm an idiot, so it's fine. Yeah, the, the ability to cringe at yourself is a sign of growth. So don't look at it as a negative. The ability to cringe at yourself is, you know, you're, there's no, it's not based in cringe. It's cringe and sincerity, which, you know, is basically looking back at all of your other cringe and accepting that you have fucked up and changing. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's, ho- it's tough concept to wrap, wrap your head around. Uh, hopefully we at least gave you a good precursor. This gave you some stuff to think about, some stuff to kind of mesh your brain meat on. And if you don't agree with all of it right now or ever, that's fine. We just wanted to kind of, you know, give you a little introduction, give you a little uh, uh, starter course. But uh, hopefully that's a good place for you to start on uh, your communist journey. Now to the next part of our show, the one that we always wrap up with that we're going to try to keep shorter here in season two. The News Blast! To the news! So to our new listeners, we're going to give you a heads up. The GOP is constantly doing absolutely horrid shit, and if we covered every last thing that they said or did that was terrible and awful, we would be here all day. So we tend to harp, when you hear us harping on the Democrats more than the GOP, it's because we quote unquote expect better of them. We don't actually expect it, but they project that. So, you know, we feel like we should at least address the hypocrisy a little more evidently. Yeah, it's just a bit more annoying. With that, yeah. So with that being said... What are your thoughts on Diane Feinstein, Kyle? Oh my gosh, I I think it's insane to think that she should leave at the ripe young age of uh, eighty nine. I think that she's still I with mean, it, and she definitely all these people claiming that all these people claiming that she's not fit for office when she said, "Oh no, I was here for the last couple of weeks after coming back from her leave." I don't see them asking that Joe Biden should leave or that Chuck Grassley should leave. Ugh. Certainly, no, yeah, none of the all these people are so well equipped to handle our government. But yeah, specifically, Diane Feinstein is the recent example of a zombie being allowed to uphold justice in our system, in our uh, uh, legislative system. They're sticking with that shingles diagnosis, man. One hundred percent. That's a stroke. Because <laughs> everyone, everyone knows that shingles is when your, your brain literally slopes. stops working and your face slopes. Yeah, <laughs> then you lose half of the f- functionality in the other side of your body. Yeah, it's uh. It's not good, and she should not be allowed to continue to legislate. She's never been a good— Nor should anyone over the—anyone who's that old and also continues to deteriorate. Yeah. Bernie Sanders, he's he's close to that old, but he is clearly spry and still mentally yeah. well. I mean, obviously, he started he's, accepting that he's too old to change the system, and it's kind of just been like, yeah, vote Democrat. Yeah. But I'd still rather have him than most of our legislators who are, you know, in that age group. <laughs> Almost all. Yeah, and it's not to say that, like, young people are very good either. There are idiots at all ages of this oh, thing. There are plenty of oh, young idiots. God. Look at Josh Hawley. Josh Hawley, complete idiot. Uh, fucking, um, I'm trying to think of a Democrat that's young, but they all, uh, what's his dick? Hakeem Jeffries. He's not even all that young. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Complete Fuck. idiot. Uh, is, another uh, Harlan Crow yeah. hanger on, even though that, you know, he's a, the, the, the supposed leader of the Democrats in the in the House of Representatives. We also very much know that, like, Joe Biden is not very bright these days. He might have been sharp back in the 70s when he was, you know, only 50 years old or something. A young cock, a young shot, upstart, yeah. uh, new gun or whatever they call those. I, I, I'm sure I could have thought of some good 1970s jargon, but 
clearly I'm not there right What's now. What's his dick too? <laughs> the the guy that ran in is he still Young Gun? That was the. I I mean, Sorry, we you know can... who uh, they they had that silly like puff piece about the incredible brain of Pete Buttchug, Pete Buttigieg, but like oh yeah. He's so, his, his just monumental intelligence. He's far too smart for the position he's, he's so in. He's so massively dumb, though. The stuff that he said is so vacuous. Like, not even just, like, vacuous as, like, oh, I'm typing an email to pat he's out a He's the kind of smart kind. that appears on the subreddit, I am very yeah, smart. Yeah, The kind of person who takes their own intellect far too seriously and yet is producing nothing with it, like, nothing of substance. So Yeah. But we don't want to make, to make you think that we only hate Democrats. So let's talk about... Texas and Florida for a second. Uh, beautiful because those places. those places are hell on I earth. I don't like either of those places. I specific, Actually, you know what? I, I like the state of Florida. I like the Gulf Coast. Beautiful beach. I think Jacksonville could be very cool if it wasn't quite so spread out and all car shit. So let's, uh, yeah, let's look at the newest addition to Texas's uh, state party platforms, which uh, include that no-fault divorces are just part of the GOP there. That's that's one of their official stances. Uh, they're trying to get rid of it so that if you are married to Steven Crowder, who is abusing you uh, verbally, who wants you to handle toxic chemicals as you are pregnant while he smokes a cigar on the back porch, then you can't say that you want to leave him. He has to physically assault you. He has to look for some legally accepted fault to provide cause for a divorce which is a pretty wild thing to turn yeah, back if on. you get married to the most toxic asshole until he physically starts beating yeah. you you're stuck that's basically it you know i don't even know if beating because obviously these guys already for so many Texas, them, they'll probably be like well it was just she deserved to be smashed. right she was just a what did she woman. say did you, she burn the mac and cheese yeah so it's then she kind of earned yeah. it. <laughs> it, it. Plus, what is it? Forty percent of of cops already admit to beating their wives. So, it, you know, <laughs> I don't think that it's going to be able to. Like, it's obviously another matter of what we've mentioned before in specifically the last episode, our last news blast. How do you take advantage of the most vulnerable people? There's no hypocrisy here. It is all about taking advantage of those who have less power than you. But uh, you think things are bad in Texas. We can go on over to Florida, where we get to see exactly partisan unity in progress. What, now, Kyle, recently there was a bipartisan passed bill where the Democrats and the Republicans were dancing on the Senate, on the state Senate floor after passing it. Could you tell me exactly what was covered in that bill? Now, I couldn't actually. I, I've forgotten. I've seen the videos, but I think they made me so disgusted that I, I turned it off and ran away from my computer as fast as I could. Well, basically it amounted to if... Uh, billionaires actively work their employees to the point of death the billionaires at no oh, fault. oh that's right it's another no fault like oh you know uh they did the same if, thing if in they, arkansas if, they, if the billionaire if, if a if a multi-billion dollar company has rules in its company uh mandate in its charter that actively work people to the point of death that company has no bearing on it's like oh well they should have just quit then they should have just starved on the street instead yep. that's their fault no liability for the company they did the same thing with specifically child labor in arkansas recently which is a carve out for if children die on your job children no big deal and now it's just kind of blanket anybody can die in florida no big deal well i mean and while we're on the topic of florida let's talk about our newest presidential candidate <laughs> it's sugar man 
Yeah, he doesn't stand a fucking chance. Anyone who's worried about DeSantis hasn't seen him and Trump interact. God almighty. I just, as a man who's not all that very tall either, you don't need to go down this road, bro. It's too late for Ron, obviously. But, like, that kind of hatred, that kind of, like, self... It's self-hatred, too. But, like, that kind of, like, wild, just hatred for others and hatred for, like, the idea of being around others. He always seems so, you know, we said it. We said it just a moment ago. Trump's full of shit. But you kind of get it, you know? But at least he's he's face value full of shit. He's face value full of shit. He's the kind of guy who's full of shit at the bar who you can still, like, shoot the shit with, despite him being a horrible human being. Oh, yeah. We're not trying, for the record... When we when we sound like we're defending Trump, we're not defending Trump as a politician. We're defending Trump as a very good entertainer. Yeah, the fact that he is also like horrible politically is is honestly not even the issue that people in the Democratic Party seem to have any issue with. You know, they, they yeah, they hate, just hate that he's on Twitter. Yeah, they hate that he's well, not <laughs> even anymore. But they not anymore. No one cares yeah, about Twitter they, anymore. <laughs> they just hate that he's mean. Or, you know, openly kind of rejects the 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 legitimacy of the, the rule of law, that kind of bullshit that we all think applies to political officials when Trump just kind of strips that shit away. Yeah, it's, it's never it, it, the president has never been allowed to actually get no, arrested. And Ron DeSantis and Trump is just the Trump is the evidence that everyone didn't want. Right. To see. And Ron DeSantis is a return to that kind of full of shit in service of kind of that kayfabe bullshit you know trying to tell you that but everything's okay and everything's actually bigoted hate yeah yeah even more so somehow yeah even more yeah he's worse i would than trump say that politically that the man's worse than trump because trump you, oh, yeah, you know trump didn't give a shit about if people are gay or not he just uses that to get himself elected he just, yeah he knows his base like eats it the fuck up. ron DeSantis is equally cynical no die probably more so but like the the actual policies that he's chasing after seem terrifying again because you know we've said it the states where the shit happens not at the national level so he has a frontline seat to making lives worse for so many people in what i think is our fourth most populous state and he's fucking people over real bad yeah no the big viable reason to hate trump specifically is because he did make it okay for the alt-right to be a public facing front he made it okay for these people to come out of the woodwork. But now the cat's out of the bag. At this point, re-electing him would suck, yes, but the damage is already right. done. Everything that Trump kind of signifies, it, it was more of like the dam bursting, you know? It was less of a, it was even less of him, like, he, again... Yeah, he was the straw that broke the camel's yeah, back. He wasn't... This is forces. He wasn't a single-handed, like, I am actively bringing this revolution with me, no. That was always right there behind the uh, walls yeah, of the day. we were always going to have to deal with this shit. We were always going to have to deal with the kind of like paranoiac schizophrenia of the, the, the downwardly mobile American middle class freak, you know? It was always going to happen. And so we just have another face to it, which, of course, because we're living in this freaky online time and because, you know, a bunch of boomers watched NBC shows, it turned into Trump. But I mean, thankfully, at least right now, we have a Democrat in the White House, and uh, which is good because we're we're on the verge of a big crisis with our uh, national debt, which uh, doesn't actually matter as a number and no. shouldn't actually mean anything, but does because we make it mean yeah, something. Yeah, we we've passed uh, a law that he's got great solutions about how to fix it. For example, cutting all food stamp and SNAP benefits to a fraction of what yep. they were. 
great great guy that yeah, Biden. This is the guy who also, you know, uh was one of the big uh boosters of that so-called grand bargain during the Obama years and has always kind of supported cutting and privatizing social security, which is a third rail to say the least, and yet he has been on the front lines of the Democrats doing that. So big surprise that he wants to cut back on social spending in order to what? To well, I mean, how, how else would we raise that money? We certainly couldn't tax the billionaires one tenth of a percent of what they make to make yeah, that money. Yeah, we couldn't uh, stop sending a hundred, you know, seven hundred and fifty, or I guess now it's eight hundred and thirty billion dollars to the Department of Defense, who is can't account for most of it. And we found out that we're basically paying at least forty percent on top of it for overbilling from contractors. So great, yeah. Yep, it's uh, it's basically a bad all the way down in our governmental system. And if you really need the proof, let's look at the one branch we haven't touched yet, the Supreme Court, and their just very recent decision to say, oh, we don't need these wetlands. All they do is provide clean air and fresh water. <laughs> more oil. More oil. I say more oil because I'm not going to be alive for whatever comes next. Who yeah. cares? Our Supreme Court is one of, is the of the corrupt institutions we have in this country. I'd argue the Supreme Court is the most obviously. Corrupt. And the idea that people just they're so wedded to this idea of its legitimacy, especially on obviously the Republicans give a fuck. Obviously, they don't care about the legitimacy. Mitch McConnell proved that in 2016, and we've proved proved it even earlier when yeah. we uh, and, if the, and if the democrats really wanted to change things and they'd play by the same unfair rules but no they've got oh look we're the good guys so we play by the rules which means that we never win anything which is why it sucks for you that's people. why they're the good guys man you can't root for an underdog if they win come on uh but the <laughs> specifically it does seem like you know the the sense that we're here at the end of what feels like something is ending, you know, it feels like it, whether or not it's actually true, but it feels like something is ending. And part of that ending seems to be total cannibalization of everything around us that can produce slightly more surplus for a rate of profit that has a tendency to fall. And so... Yeah, they're trying to squeeze the last little bits of juice out of this orange before they toss the rinds in the trash yeah basically we're putting it through the thresher we're putting us all through the thresher because eventually this is going to come back to haunt us it's not even going to be all that far away you know this is stuff yeah. the fracking ruins communities quickly and you know yeah part of the reason we push for revolution is the sooner we have a revolution the more there is to salvage of society when we right. rebuild it and do we accept that maybe maybe and here's the thing. Here's a radical idea, an actually radical idea. We don't save it. That's terrifying. That's te terrifying. It's we don't save it. The end of what we believe to be humanity is upon us at that point. And what are you going to do? You're going to say, well, I voted right. Well, I can take that to my grave because that's where I'm going with it. And I mean... It's it's sad, but there's a very good chance humanity doesn't make it out of this. But I'm a I'm a I'm the good kind of nihilist. My whole thing is if humanity doesn't thrive, as long as we don't nuke this planet into oblivion, something else on this planet will grow back and a new species will arise to make a good society, hopefully do a better job than we did. If this planet does get nuked into oblivion, it's still a big universe out there. I'm of the mindset there's probably some other intelligent species out there. It's 
it's big, big plays. But even if there's not, even if there's literally nothing to enjoy the beauty of the universe, that doesn't make it not a beautiful place. So, yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, that's a really tough way. Okay, let's get off of this nihilism talk and talk about something more practical that we can pragmatically look at today. And that is the recent uh, major, major retailer, Target, being like, oh, uh, a lot of our LGBTQ employees are getting threatened. We'd better go ahead and let the bad guys win by just saying, we, we, we surrender, hands up, we, we'll pull all the stuff, pull all the merch you don't like. Yeah, part of me is like, obviously no worker should be shot or attacked. Yeah, I don't I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I get the, from a PR perspective, they can absolutely sell it that way, and it's a very viable way to sell yeah. it. And also, I saw some, say, similar, similar vibes, obviously, but different different context i saw like a dollar general store worker i i I think she might have been a manager which makes way more sense if she's a manager chase down a guy and hit him with her car because he had stolen from the store she's working at she's going to jail yeah that kind of dedication that's absurd Uh, she's going to jail she assaulted that man off of besides the fact that she's certainly fired for that kind of shit she's probably going to jail for assault because that's wild. The man could have maybe stolen like $100 worth of shit. You know, it's a dollar general. But the, you don't, don't get hurt for your fucking company. But also the company itself. They owe you protections. If, if it, rather than surrendering to the bad guys, and that, that's called negotiating with Nazis. Yeah, and, and what do they do instead of, instead of protecting you, instead of, putting somebody between you and these reactionary dickheads they they just take it away there's no there's no strength there's no belief it's simply can we break into this market does this market supersede another market and does it mean that we're going to lose or make money because i swear to christ yeah. if, if they, they, and they looked at they, they did their math they did their calculations and said Keeping the alt-right is more profitable than pissing off a few LGBTQ Yeah, folks. it's always going to be like this, too, because as long as there are, again, people trying to extract surplus and exploit workers, their calculus is going to lead them to throwing away whatever worker protections there are in service of how more profit can be grabbed. And so you're not but, important uh, to them. You're not safe around them. Just like you're not safe yeah, around it's, those it's, fucking it right-wing like freaks. It looks like it's a real bleak time, and we always do tend to have more of that in our news, but we always try to end on something optimistic, which is why we saved the best for last, the currently ongoing writer's strike. Yeah. Solidarity to those folks, for Absolutely. Sure. Solidarity to the WGA strike. Uh, looks like SAG-AFTRA have joined as well. Um, this is a strike that's... Kind of in a similar um, following up vein to the 0708 strike, where in 0708, early, they would say, uh, they struck for benefits and royalties coming out of the streaming services that were then kind of just popping off. And so they didn't get those royalties, of course, but they did get some guarantees. They did get some pay rises. They did get some kind of regular raises to their base rate and now yeah i mean these strikes never get everything they're asking yeah, for because if they ever did then that would be oh, oh then, then, we, then we would know we were actually able to negotiate with yeah these that'd people. be wild That's dude. The dangerous thing for those be awesome top. but um this time they're kind of striking in kind of in anticipation 
of the AI boom that everybody keeps talking about. Now, all the assholes. There are, I mean, well, there are there are literally uh, writers who were told by the people who they were talking to about this. Oh, no, we don't see you as better than AI. Yeah, no, that's the thing. Is, these idiots, these bean counters that are in charge of companies now, they see AI as another way to, again, as we've discussed in past episodes for those who've listened, the way that they make profit, the way that they continue to pull out surplus value is to eliminate variable capital. In that sense, variable capital, that would be capital that they spent, is capital uh, that they would spend on things like wages, where they can limit the amount of hours, the limit the wages that a laborer would need to survive and continue on. And instead, now they have replacing that with solid or uh, what's the actual term? Um, shit. Uh, concrete capital, which is things like automated automatons, machines. Yeah, here's my, my crazy hot take is that AI is actually could actually be a good thing if there were laws in place that it was not allowed to be used with any profit motive in yeah, mind. But that's never no, going to happen. No. It, again, <laughs> automation generally could be used for the betterment of mankind. The greater good of humanity, yet, yeah, if it was just about helping people. And yet, yeah. But it's about maximizing. It's it, that same way we're going to treat, I mean, an AI to the worker, the writers is a more immediate threat. But, you know, we're only 20 years away from my job as a grocery stocker being completely replaced by robots. And then I'm just going to be on the streets because they can make more profit with a robot doing yeah, the job. And I'd say, like, you know, the the technology for AI that everybody keeps jacking off about isn't actually there to replace a writer. It's not there. Idiot not, bean no, counters might yet. say that it is, it's, but it's not there. The, the stuff that pumps the TV is going to get drastically worse. And it, speaking of which, just in an immediate sense. TV is going to get drastically worse. There's going to be a lot of shitty reality TV coming out. And if you want to support the writer's strike, you need to not watch it. Yeah, or at the very least, yeah, at the very least, you just need to, like, I, I'm I'm not going to be paying for HBO. I'm not going to be paying for any of this shit. There's another way that I can still get all those nice things that I won't say, but... Uh, Don't get a VPN and take up the Jolly Roger. That's illegal, yeah, guys. that's really bad. Don't do that. You wouldn't... Go on to Pirate Bay. You wouldn't steal a... <laughs> you, you, you wouldn't download a car. <laughs> you wouldn't steal a policeman's hat, then shit in his hat, and then give it to his grieving widow. <laughs> That's the exact thought oh, I was that show, that show has one very problematic episode, oh, and the rest it's of so it's a gold mine. Yeah, one one episode, which I still think is very funny, and I still I really like that trans character, honestly. But, but it was a bad portrayal. Oh, bad portrayal. Horrible. Anyhow, it's like that... The, yeah, the the... the the technology is not there, but that doesn't mean that the the incentive for these crazy people who are simply looking at bottom lines to cut and to take away because they already started doing that kind of stuff. They started they got rid of breakout rooms. They got rid of people being able to actually work collaboratively. They've made it so that it's piecework so that you have to produce like so many episodes. You have to produce a full pilot before they've even paid you. And then. They might just take that pilot and then cut you out of the actual writing process at the end and just give it to one showrunner who has to figure it out after that. So you get paid shit to make a whole show and one showrunner 
gets all the, I mean, a horrible job because they still have to write the fucking thing because you aren't there to help them write. But for, I mean, and that's it. They'll probably get more than the average writer would have made because it's only one guy they have to pay. But the real guy making bank off of this is the guy sitting at the top of the company being like, oh, look, I had to pay a total of eight people this year in my entire yeah, it's company. the executives. All of HBO. It's the executives. Executive compensation has been through the roof for years, and it's still getting higher because there's not the pressure that we need at the bottom. But thankfully, people like the good folks at the WGA, the SAG-AFTRA folks, they're putting that pressure they're out on. there. They're striking. They're doing the right thing. They're still maintaining some level of labor activity that can challenge yeah. these executives. So we're going to send off not just the writer's strike, but all of our listeners here with our everyday send off. Love and solidarity. Love and solidarity, y'all. It can be told in few enough words. We are not certain of his intentions even yet. They talk. So I am told.